some people thought it was uh, offensive on a religious basis to use a fork to eat with because God had given you fingers. This is 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums. I'm Rachel Roberts, the Collections Registrar for Lancaster City Museums, and today we'll be looking at the stories behind another object from our collections as we celebrate 100 years of our museums. In this episode, we're looking at an object which you will have in your house. Maybe you've even used one today. But despite being a very common everyday object, this one looks slightly different, and those differences can reveal a hidden history of fads, fashion and food. Today's object is an 18th century fork. Although this fork is recognisable for what it is, it certainly looks a bit different to modern day forks. It's about the same size as modern forks, being about 18 centimetres long. But the most notable difference is that it only has two tines, the spikes which form the head of the fork. It isn't shiny, however this is partially because this object was found in the ground after being lost around 250 or 300 years ago. The fork is such a familiar object to us that you might not stop to think about why it looks the way it does and why we even use it. In fact, the fork is quite a complex piece of equipment and they haven't always looked like or been used in the same way as the forks you have in your cutlery drawer. We spoke to Jack Knight, a museum assistant at several Lancaster Heritage sites, to find out more about the history of the fork. He started by telling us the basics about this fork and the period that it comes from. This fork was dug up underneath what is now 93 Penny Street. This fork's been dated to the 18th century, which is the 1700s, and uh, we know that forks were becoming more popular in, in Europe during this time. Early examples of forks have all been two-pronged, and they, can go, they go back to about 1000 AD, but were mainly used for uh, serving food rather than putting it in your mouth. That was a relatively new and weird thing to do with forks. I would say that this was probably more of a, a serving utensil for holding down meat for carving or pricking food off plates and that kind of thing rather than eating. But initially, when forks began to be used for eating, um, the, the points were increased to three or four, and they were softened on the end to avoid damaging the mouth, and they were generally only ever carried by the elite so, first of all, it was royalty in Europe, uh, from Italy and then France. And then the upper classes started carrying their own you know, monogrammed cutlery with them when they went round to uh, people's houses to eat. What can the materials that this fork is made from tell us about the type of person who would have used it? The fork that was dug up on Penny Street looks like it's made out of iron and bone, which is not going to be very rare or expensive. The material that the cutlery was made out of would relate to what class you were because uh, the class system's always been very important in this country so the upper classes would have cutlery made out of gold or silver either solid metal or plate metal um, and then as you go through down through the classes they'd be made out of things like you know steel and pewter and then uh, iron and and wood or bone and horn and things like that as you get further down. Jack went on to explain that it wasn't just lack of invention that determined how the fork was used and spread across Europe. Instead, the fork had to find its place in a much wider society which contained many different people with their own traditional, cultural and even religious beliefs on how food should be eaten. Uh, the history of the fork 
it's not completely defined. There's lots of different legends and stories about it. It's generally believed that it originated in Italy as a means of eating the first forms of pasta. It's also rumoured that Catherine de' Medici brought it over when she came over here uh, to this country. But in terms of eating with it, it took a while for that to become commonplace. Even though some royalty used the fork to eat with, people like, say, uh, Louis Fourteenth didn't want to, and he preferred eating with his hands. Um, some people thought it was uh, offensive on a religious basis to use a fork to eat with because God had given you fingers, um, and you should eat with your fingers. To better understand the culture around food in the 18th century, where our fork is from, Jack explained that there was a key shift in the way that meals were taken, which would have wide-reaching effects on cutlery and the entire culture around having a meal. These changes meant that the sort of fork we are looking at today would soon be phased out. Well, during the 18th century, we switched from service à la française to service à la russe, which is uh, a way of, of serving food at a dinner table. So service à la française was the norm up until that point, and that's where all the courses uh, for a meal would be served at the same time. So, you know, the soup, the fish, the meat, the dessert, everything would be all on the table. And that's when things like the two-pronged serving fork would be used for grabbing things and putting it on your plate. But then when they switched to service à la russe, courses will be served one after the other you know soup followed by fish followed by your main and so on which meant then you needed a series of of different types of cutlery and it became rather than the upper classes having their own set that they carried with them it became uh, expected that the host and hostess would provide cutlery in the household for people to use to eat their dinner with and it was a way of sort of showing your uh, prowess by having fancy cutlery and a variety of different cutlery, monogrammed cutlery. In, uh, in France, forks were put on the table, tines pointing down, and the coats of arms were on the back of the handle, the coats of arms of the house. And then in this country, they were tines facing up and the coats of arms on the other side. So basically people could see the coats of arms of the household. Some people say that the tines down prevented people's lace cuffs from getting caught on the forks uh, and some have said that it's uh, less aggressive to have them t facing down as well. The amount of forks increased and again it was an upper class way of showing status and uh, also differentiating between who was in and who was out of society because etiquette was a big thing in, in Georgian England. So there would be forks for absolutely everything. It really sort of exploded. There were oyster forks and grape forks and melon forks and crab forks. Um, just you name it, it, they had a separate fork for it. Yeah, salad forks, cake forks, all kinds of things. Uh, they still have some forks today that are for a variety of things. Fish forks, cake forks. There are, you can get crab forks as well. Uh, which incidentally are the only fork to go on the right of the plate. All the other forks go on the left of the plate, but the crab fork goes on the right. Yeah, there's a place for everything. And it's all because of the service à la russe and etiquette from the 18th century, basically. But so far, we haven't spoken much about what was actually being eaten with these forks. What sort of food were the well-to-do eating in the 18th century? And how would you need to behave if you were lucky enough to be invited? 
Sugar was very popular. Obviously, it uh, it was introduced during the the Tudor period in the 1500s, but they really, really started to uh, have it a lot in the Georgian times. They would have elaborate sugar sculptures and things on the dinner table. Peas, strangely enough, were very popular. And it's not clear, certainly not clear to me, whether the fork made the peas popular or the peas made the fork popular, but the development of the fork from the two-pronged instrument to the three- or four-pronged instrument also coincided with the fork tines themselves bending. So rather than being directly straight out, they would sort of curve so that you could scoop like a spoon. So you could you could scoop up peas, and peas were really, really popular as well. So they'd have a big bowl uh, full of peas on, on the table. And as I said before, et- etiquette was extremely important. So there would be a prescribed way of entering the room. Everybody was expected to dress in formal attire for dinner. And there were things you weren't allowed to talk about. Lots of things you weren't allowed to talk about at the dinner table. Sometimes you'd even have the situation where the woman would talk to the person on her left for the first course. And then when the second course was served, they'd then turn and talk to the person on their right. And so on. And it wasn't until the end of the meal, the dessert that people could then relax and talk about a wider range of things. And the dessert is not the same as pudding. So the pudding is the sweet part of the dinner, and where everything is still formal. But dessert comes from deservir, which is when the table is stripped, basically, so all the cutlery and everything else is taken away, and then you get fruit or ice. And and that's when, you know, you can relax a bit. Just before we ask for the bill and start preparing to leave the table, Jack brought us up to speed on some of the other changes that have happened to forks and eating with them between when our fork was used and the present day. In the 18th century, kitchens were kept very far away from the dining area. They were sort of not to be seen or heard. Then they got closer to the dining area during the 19th century. Also, forks, they went, you know, they went crazy for forks. They made all kinds of forks, as I've mentioned earlier, but they also made forks that you just can't even, like, they look more like hair combs. Ten tines, twelve tines, you know, four-inch long forks. It's just ridiculous. So there really was an explosion of the different types of forks that were available. And then things, by the time you get to the 20th century, things start to calm down a bit and People sort of trim down on the amount of variety in the fork and they tend to be made out of, you know, a lot of steel and things like that, like we have nowadays in stainless steel and things. And now they're a a staple uh, of the dining table. And they're also a very Western thing is the fork. In the East, you've got more chopsticks. In the West, it's very much they've embraced the fork. Uh, So it's come a long way from being the the tool of the devil. And now it's, you know, got to have a fork. Thank you so much for breaking bread with us in this episode of 100 Years, 100 Objects. Why not order up some of our other episodes where we talk about objects from axes to advertising leaflets?